Good morning, everyone. First Thessalonians chapter 4, would you turn with me? First Thessalonians chapter 4. How many of you are morning people? Raise your hand. All right. Like when you get up, when the sun gets up, you get up and you're ready to roll. You know what I'm talking about? That's a, I'm that way. Uh, really, nobody else in my family is that way. Now imagine being that way and living in a box. So you know, as an evangelist that lives in a trailer, that's 8 by 38, and you have five other people that aren't morning people for all the rest of you, okay? You got to do something because, uh, you know, like you got to be quiet and you got to try and do stuff. And so I have found the secret is leave. <laughs> that's how it works, all right? <laughs> Leave the trailer. Do not walk around. Uh, if you've ever lived in an RV, you know that the, the, the biggest issue is movement. Uh, I mean, you, you like anyone that's walking around, you can feel it because, hello, the whole trailer is shifting as you're walking. And so uh, if you want them to sleep, you got to get up, you got to go outside. And boy, I, I got used to doing that because that was the thing I did. In the morning, I'm, a, I'm an early bird, uh, and I would get up around 6, 6.15. I'd go outside, and I love seeing the sunrise. Uh, this morning, that was a beautiful thing, especially after yesterday's rain. Uh, it was dark and gloomy and kind of cloudy all day, but man, this morning was beautiful, and I'm so thankful to be here, and uh, I hope, I hope that we'll reach our goal this week of let's make a difference. I hope that we'll do that. I hope that that'll be something in your life. I hope it happens in my life that we'll let, we'll let God work through us. Now, that's not always easy. We don't, we don't really like that. I like kind of how I am. God says, no, no, no. If you're going to make a difference, we got to let God work through us in order to make a difference in others. And so I hope that would be the case here this week. Well, you found your spot yet? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look with me at verse number, verse number 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we get to verse number 7. It says, therefore, brethren, there's that word again. He's talking to believers. He says, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in our afflictions and distress by your faith. Man, that's a great compliment that Paul gives to these new believers. Paul didn't have a lot of time at this place in this church, but he's like, hey, even though we're going through some difficult times, let me tell you, you guys are such an encouragement. Say, what is it? We'll keep reading. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Man, I tell you what, this is sounding really good. Why? Because Paul's saying, I'm encouraged because of your faithfulness. I'm encouraged because, hey, you decided to stand for the Lord. Man, that sounds awesome. Keep reading. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Man, that's awesome. Paul's really paying them a huge compliment. But look at verse number 10. Look at verse number 10. Paul says, my friends, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might See your face, and notice this phrase, 
and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. This morning, I, I'd like to preach a message I've entitled, Paul's Prayer Request. Paul's Prayer Request. Paul had a request for these people. You say, preacher, what was the prayer request? Here it is. That they would grow in their faith. If you notice the phrase in verse number 10, that he's praying night and day. So obviously, this is something of great concern. He says, we're, gonna pray, we're praying night and day exceedingly that we'd see your face and might perfect that which is Lacking in your faith. Now the word perfect has the idea of complete. It doesn't mean sinless, we know that. But there are things in our lives, get this, that are lacking. Let me say it to you. There are things in your life. There are things in my life that are lacking. Did you get that? You say, well, preacher, I, I am a student at Ambassador Baptist College. I am a senior, and I am hopefully graduating in May. Preacher, I got it. No, you don't. You don't understand. You are lacking. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm lacking. I've been at this a long time. And in my life, can I tell you, I'm still lacking. So what's Paul's prayer request? Here it is, that you and I would grow in our faith. But before we get started, can we ask God to give us a hand? Father, you're such a great God, and thank you so much for being such a great God. Thank you for helping us in our lives. Because, Father, you've identified already that we lack and Lord, as much as we don't even want to acknowledge that we lack, if we would just be honest with ourselves and honest with God, we would realize there are some things in our lives in which we do lack. Father, I pray that as the Holy Spirit teaches us, challenges us, convicts us, this morning we would properly receive it and properly respond to it. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus, my precious Savior's name, amen. You know, growing is an interesting thing. When you're young, it's so much fun to grow. You say, what are you talking about? How many of you remember when you were a kid, you were five, and you would tell someone, I am five and a half. Remember that? Like you just learned fractions and you just learned what a numerator is and a denominator and you understood, hey, you know what? I'm not five. I'm five and seven twelfths. <laughs> and you thought you were the bomb. I mean, you thought, man, I am awesome because I'm not five. I'm five. Five and seven, or, or, or get this, you know how you get taller and you get taller and you get taller? See, I learned, I learned a long time ago, we don't use the word when it's talking about young people getting bigger, okay? Especially when you talk to girls. Guys, don't talk about that, okay? 
they're getting taller, okay? And so they're like, hey, I am six foot three, or I am five foot 11. Hey, can I tell you, when you get older, we don't talk about that. We don't say, hey, I'm 50 years old in five days. We don't talk about it that way, all right? We don't talk about our, our, our size anymore when you get older, all right? That's, that's out, all right? We're, we're done with that. But when you're younger and you're young, it's all fun. Remember when you were young in love? Some of you are like, no. I can only dream about that. Hey, you got a shot. It's coming up in February, all right? Take advantage of it. If you don't know who, ask Brother Lucan, all right? The matchmaker of ambassador. Get it, get it. And you start dating. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we've been dating for 32 days. Like that's a significant number. <laughs> After being married for 27 years, we don't talk about the days anymore, amen? We don't talk about them. We get the year and they're happy, all right? But when you're first young and you're dating, hey, can I tell you, we celebrated every month. My wife and I, we dated for 48 months. You say, what? For four years. And uh, we started dating August 11th of 1992. Don't even say it, you're old. I know, okay? Some of you weren't even born. Most of you weren't even born. I get it, okay? And we got married August 10th of 96. And every month, every month, fellas, I bought my girlfriend a figurine. You say, what? Now, back in the day, there was these precious moments things. How many of you seen in your grandparents this cabinet of these useless knickknacks? See what I'm talking about? All the old people are like, hey, those aren't useless. I love my, I love my precious moments. You know there's a museum of precious moments? I know. It's in Carthage, Missouri. I've been there. It's stupid, okay? Stupid. Like, why are we walking around this place looking at these figurines? But back in the day, it was cool, okay? And so my wife collected those chair studies, okay? They were like precious moments thing. They were these little bears, okay? And every month, I bought her a new one. And get it, they're in a basement, in our basement, in a Rubbermaid. Great, amen? But the truth is, we were young. We were in love. Not that we're not now, okay? That's not, that sounded bad. She may be listening. I love you, baby. But the truth is we don't celebrate every month our anniversary, okay? It's way too expensive. But when you're young, growing is fun. But as you get older, growing is not always fun. What Paul says here is, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would grow in your faith. You would continuously come to the place of 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace. It's in the present tense that you'll never stop growing in your faith. You say, well, preacher, what am I supposed to grow in? Look what your Bible says in chapter 4, verse number 1. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, 
and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Get the idea? Grow. Well, how am I going to grow? Well, he says, hey, as you guys have watched us, as you guys have seen us, have you, as you guys have been taught by us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grow in your walk more and more. So, Brother Ogle, according to the text, that means I can't ever reach a plateau. And I was telling Brother Clark in the way in, it seems like when you're preaching to different spectrums, you're either preaching to them to start a good habit or you're preaching for them to get out of a ritual. See, for us that have got it down, I didn't say the Christian life, the habit. Can I tell you? It's real easy for it to become a ritual. But some of you here get it. You don't have the habit. Like you struggle praying. You struggle reading your Bible. You struggle being a witness for Christ. It just isn't there yet. And so what Paul's saying is, I want you to grow in your walk. You say, well, what am I supposed to grow in my walk? Well, keep reading with me. As we look at chapter 4, he gives us three, three walks that we need to keep on growing in in our Christian life. Look what your Bible says, and it says in verse number two, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, and not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Look at verse number seven. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto, what's the word, glass? So what Paul is saying, I want you to grow in your faith and the first walk that you need to grow in is you need to grow in your walk of holiness. He says in verse number seven, for I have not called you to uncleanness, impurity, immorality. I've not called you to that. I've called you to live like him. Now, in Paul's day, understand this. These are young believers. In the culture that the Thessalonians lived in, it was a common practice. Did you hear what I just said? That if you were not satisfied with your spouse, you would go to a neighbor. You would go to some other person. And you would be satisfied with them sexually now get that when Paul says in verse number three look back with me for this is the will of God hey can I tell you there's no gray did you get it there's no gray now you may think there's gray in the Bible and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing but in this aspect of life there's no gray 
Anytime you read, this is the will of God, get what he's saying. This is the universal will for all of mankind. Here it is. That you and I would abstain from fornication. Now this is the Greek word pornania. Matter of fact, this is the umbrella of all sexual sins, okay? This is not just sex before marriage. This is dealing with all sexuality. That we're talking about pornography. We're talking about unfaithfulness. We're talking about anything to do, get what I'm saying, with improper sexuality. And what Paul is saying, listen, I'm not called you to uncleanness. It is not right. And can I tell you, I'm emphasizing this because this is going to, this is the pandemic that is going across our circles and no one is dealing with it. See, since the smartphone came out, can I tell you this? It's too easy. It's too easy. You say, why? Because you don't have to look for it. It comes to you. You know, there are some preachers that like to say, well, bless God, we're just not going to use the smartphone anymore. Well, can I tell you? That's not good thinking. They're not going away. It's not like all of a sudden we're going to end up in some pure, holy atmosphere. Okay? That's only going to happen when we see him. Amen? But the truth is, we got to learn to deal with it. Not, hey, accept it, but to figure out, hey, how can I guard myself against it? I am not against, I am not against Covenant Eyes. I'm not against any of these programs. I'm not against them, okay? Matter of fact, I think they're a great help. But listen to me, listen to me. You can get around it. If you really want to fulfill the flesh, you will. Why? Because listen to me, fellas, it's everywhere. Now, you know what's, you know what's weird? You know what's weird? Female pornography is on the rise. Stop, stop, stop. Do you understand the church is only 10 steps behind the world? Now, who's the church? We are. See, it used to be, oh, pornography is a world problem. Ah, ah. It's a church problem. And what happens is, is we yield to that temptation and all of a sudden, watch what happens, we start seeing, we start planning, we start sowing, watch this, seeds to the field of the flesh. And before long, it is so populated, we don't think we could ever have a chance of getting victory over it. Now watch. I understand the temptation. Why? I'm a male. You're a male. You say, well, you're a preacher. It doesn't matter. The temptation is real. Now get this, get this. 
There's a difference between seeing and looking. Did you hear what I just said? I tell guys, listen, it's sad. I wish it wasn't this way, okay? But it's everywhere. You can't drive down the road. You can't go on vacation. You can't go to the mall. You can't get online. It's everywhere. But here's the problem. When we start looking for it, we're doing it on purpose. Stop for a second. That's how I used to preach it. But Brother Jim, I'm adding a third point. Here's what I find. There's seeing, there's looking, and get this. Sometimes, seeing that leads to looking. Sometimes, can I tell you, it pops up. You have the ability to live in the Spirit, and it doesn't affect you. Then there's times where it comes on your radar screen, get this, and you're not ready for it. And the flesh is weak. And that seeing leads to looking. Hey, can I tell you? You want to know why he's praying night and day? Because it's that much of a problem. It's amazing what he says here. He says, listen, don't go and be unfaithful to your spouse. Don't go to your brother. Why? Because the Lord is the avenger. He's the one that's going to give you the consequences. We don't want that in your life. Can I tell you, young people, from a guy who sits across the table from many couples and hears their story, can I tell you, listen, many marriage problems started when the husband started with pornography as a young man. Directly connected. Now watch. He said, well, preacher, it's too late. I've already got this problem. Hey, hey, grow. Grow. Keep growing. For God hath not called you to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Keep yourself pure. You say, well, preacher, what do I do? Listen, whatever it takes. That means you got to have a flip phone. Awesome. Have a flip phone. You'll be the talk of the town, man. Look at that nostalgia right there, man. That's awesome. Vintage. Whatever it takes. But can I tell you, you having a flip phone isn't going to solve your problem. Because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. 
And you've loaded up that computer called your brain with all kinds of images that you're going to struggle with the rest of your life. That's why I'm so dogmatic on it. Why? Because I see guys that want to, Brother Jim. They want to have success. They don't want to have these images. They don't want to think this way about other women. And they are stuck. truth is, the reason why they're stuck is because they said, you know what? It's not important I grow. I'm a student at Ambassador Baptist College. I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelist. I'm, I'm a faculty. I'm on staff. I'm good to go. Really. God's not called us to uncleanness. Call us to holiness. Number two, look with me. Verse number nine. Look what your Bible says in verse number nine. He's not us, told us to grow in our walk of holiness. When we get to verse number nine, it says this. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. Wow, that's kind of cool, isn't it? And Paul the apostle says to these believers, hey, as touching the idea of brotherly love, your love for one another, man, I tell you what, I, I don't even have to talk to you much about it. Because, boy, you guys are really good at it. Matter of fact, look what it says. Look at the compliment he gives them. For ye yourselves are taught of who, got class? God. I say you're doing something right. If Paul refers to your love for one another as being taught from God himself. I'd say you're doing pretty good. But notice what he says next. To love one another, and indeed ye do it towards all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase, next three words, let's say it together, ready class? More and more. So he's saying, okay, I want you not only to grow in your walk of holiness, but I want you to grow in your walk for love for one another. I want you to grow in your walk of love one for another. Now, this is interesting to me. You say, why, preacher? Because Paul gives them an unbelievable compliment. He says to them, man, I don't have to talk to you about loving because you folks are loving. Matter of fact, you're so loving, it's as if God taught you how to love people. Now, I don't know about you, but wouldn't that be cool to be said of you? I find it's easy to love people that love you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, you know, that person that maybe is your significant other. And uh, they, they, they write you a sweet text. It used to be a letter, but we don't do letters anymore. Uh, a sweet text or a sweet email. Or, or maybe they send you candies. Or maybe they pull the seat out for you at lunch. Or maybe, maybe they open the door for you. Fellas, write all these things down. You need to be doing that, all right? You're like looking at me like a calf at a new gate. Like, what's he talking about? Hey, it's coming up. I'm trying to help you here. And, and man, I tell you what, it's easy to love on them. 
But how about the roommate that snores? How about the roommate decides to take your clothes? You're planning on wearing that outfit. And you go to breakfast and you're like, hey. That's mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, that person's a whole nother level. That's being kind, all right? Like, what's wrong with that person? Like, hello, don't you know one of the commandments is thou shalt not steal? And so what happens is people that don't treat us well, people that want to hurt us, we're like, nah, 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 nah. Lord, I know that I love mama and I love daddy, but man, I don't know about that person. Do you not understand what they said about me? Isn't that crazy? And for most of us, I'll tell you where we go. We're good with loving people that love us. But people that don't love us, here's where we go. Uh, now watch. Doesn't he say in verse 11, more and more? When you're more and more, Pete, that means this. You're not this. Uh, that's called flatlining, okay? When you're flatlining, you're dead. You didn't know that? That's the sound you're not looking for at the hospital, okay? <laughs> uh, that's not good. You're looking for that climb. He said, well, preacher, it's hard to love them. You're right. Try living with them, amen? Preacher, you don't understand. I know, I know. This is why I tell people, how many of you have ever read in your Bible where Jesus says something like this, love your enemies. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Read that. And, and this is what we do with that. Well, that's good for him, not for me. Matter of fact, we say something like this. Well, that ain't going to ever happen. Because that person that has hurt me, let me tell you, if I get a hold of them, I'm going to hurt them more. Matter of fact, I want to run them over with a bus, and if I miss, I'll back up. <laughs> I got no problem with that. That's called pride, amen. I, I ain't got no pride. I just want to destroy them. And then Jesus says like stuff like this, right? Pray for them that despitefully use you. What? I ain't never doing that. What's up with that? I, I ain't gonna pray for my enemy. I'm not gonna love them. Hey, can I tell you? Here's why. You stop growing in that walk. You thought, you know what? Everybody thinks I'm a loving guy. Everyone thinks it's, uh, 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 you know, it's okay. And uh, that I'm looking pretty good. And spiritually, I'm, 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 I'm climbing. And, and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. It doesn't really matter what other people think. You, you, you can try and impress everybody. You can try and please everybody. But did you see what it said in verse number one of chapter four? How to please God. Not your roommate, not your mama, not your daddy. Not the professors at Ambassador. Not Dr. Beal. God. Here's how you please God. You love those people that don't love you. 
I'm convinced personally, that's one of the reasons why we don't see more people come to Christ. Because we believe there's certain people of value and there are certain people that aren't of value. Isn't that amazing? Last time I checked, last time I checked, a soul was of the same value to God. That's the last time I checked, okay? There's not a higher soul and a lower soul. They're all of great value to God. But because of our stained lenses, here's what we think. Well, it's okay. I'm all right because you know what? I'm a pretty loving guy. And then the Spirit of God just kind of knocks on the door of our heart, right? He's like, oh, what about that person in your life right now? And you're like, God, I'm trying to pay attention to Brother Jake. Would you stop bothering me? He is the preacher. He's giving us the word of God. Stop convicting me. Right? You say, how do you know that? I sat in your seats, okay? I, I, I've been there. It happens quite frequently to me. And we try to watch, justify our unlovingness. It's interesting when we get to the book of 1 John. I almost preached this message this morning. He says if we have fellowship in light and walk in darkness. Remember the passage, chapter 1? You know the darkness that John brings out? Like if I'm thinking about darkness, I'm thinking, okay, murder, right? I'm thinking drug addiction. I'm thinking, you know what, maybe they got a porn problem. You know what it is? If you read through the whole book, you're not loving one another. Like, come on, don't write it that way. I mean, honestly, can't we, can't we come up with another darkness? I don't really like that darkness, all right? Why? Because there's people that I don't get along with. There's people that you don't get along with. And it's convicting. Why? Because he says if you have fellowship with light and walk in darkness, you lie. The truth is not in you. And what Paul says is, I'm praying night and day that you would grow in your walk of love for one another. Let me give you number three. Go back with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. It says that, and that ye study. There, that's an interesting word. It's got the idea of diligence. Being diligent. That ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That ye may walk honestly towards them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. All right, so number one, he tells us, hey, I, I want you to grow. I want you to grow in your walk of holiness. I want you to grow in your walk of love for one another. But number three, I want you to grow in your walk of diligence. You know what diligence is? It's doing what you're supposed to do. 
Hey, I, I, know, I know we live in a world that often determines their decisions by feeling. Okay? I know that. I know that many times you'll, you'll say, well, I feel like, and then you fill in the blank. Maybe you're a Starbucks person, or maybe you're, uh, maybe you're a Dunkin' person, or maybe you're, hopefully you're some kind of coffee person, okay? Right now, I'm a Black Rifle kind of guy, amen? So all you Black Rifle fans out there, I'm currently drinking JB, all right? JB, just black, it's awesome, okay? But whatever, you, but we feel like something, and that's what we do, right? The problem is, here's what your Bible says. The just shall live by feelings. Isn't that amazing? But our Christian lives are really represented exactly like that. And so what happens is, is many times we base our Christianity and how it all goes on our feelings. So if we feel like being holy, we'll be holy. But if we feel like being sinful, then we'll be sinful. If we feel like loving, we'll be loving. If we don't feel like being loving, we'll be unloving. But listen to your Bible. Paul is praying night and day that you would grow in your walk of diligence. I could say it this way, that you would mature in your Christian life. I, I told my kids, Here's what maturity is. It's real simple. Accepting responsibility. You say, why is that important? I, I, I'm of the generation, I'm of the one that says, you know what? You become responsible. You get privileges. I'm not the other way around. Well, I'll give you privileges if you're responsible. I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. I just don't think that's a good way of going. But if you show me you're responsible, you're going to accept responsibility. Guess what? You're, you're, going to get, you're going to get privileges. If you don't show me you're responsible, you do not accept responsibility. Then get it. You're not going to get privileges. Now watch. Accepting responsibility means you're going to have to be diligent. Okay? Why? Because Brother Jake isn't going to live in your back pocket. Brother Beal is not going to live in your back pocket. Okay? Your professors aren't. Your mom and dad aren't. Your pastor isn't. So how am I going to keep growing? Here it is. You're going to keep deciding to be Diligent. I know that I don't feel like doing it. Now listen, there are times in your Christian life, there are times in my Christian life that I don't feel like getting up and reading the Word of God. You say, whoa, yeah. But that doesn't mean I don't. It just means I didn't feel like it. But I have learned, I have grown in my faith that I've realized, hey, even sometimes when I don't feel like it, this is the best Thing I can do for me. And can I tell you, the days that I don't read it, the days that I decide to go make decisions based on my feeling, aren't good. 
It's that simple. But when I decide that I'm going to do what God says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, the Bible says, The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Get that? Blessed. And what happens is Paul is praying night and day, night and day, that here they would grow in their faith. Why? Because if they don't grow in their faith, they're going to flatline. When you flatline, it's not good. There was a man by the name of Frederick Page. He was an aviation pioneer. One day, he was going to take one of his best planes and he was going to fly over the Arabian Desert. And so he had all stuff packed up, and this is back in the beginning days of aviation. And he had his food all packed in. He was going to take a solo flight across the Arabian Desert. Unbeknownst to him, a rat had smelled the food that he had packed in his cargo. He lifted off and started flying across the Arabian desert, and he started hearing scratching and gnawing. And he couldn't identify at first what the sound was, but Finally, he realized, huh, there's a rodent on this plane. His mind started to go crazy because he thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happens if that rat starts gnawing through some electrical lines? What happens if that rat starts gnawing through some mechanical lines? He's like, I'm by myself. I'm taking a solo flight. What in the world could I do? Frederick Page did an amazing thing. He recalled in school that rats could not handle higher altitudes. So sure enough, Page Frederick Page decided to climb an altitude. And he was hearing that gnawing, that gnawing, that scratching that was going on the metal right above him. And boy, I tell you what, he's climbing and climbing and climbing. He was listening very closely because he was waiting for the sound of the scratching to cease. Finally, he got to a certain altitude and it went silent. He landed, and sure enough, there was that rat laying right next to his cockpit chair behind him. You know what I'm saying? Many times the rat of sin is gnawing. It's gnawing. The rat of a bad attitude gnawing 
the rat of sexual sins is gnawing and gnawing and gnawing. And can I tell you what you got to do? You got to keep on climbing. Keep going up. Because when you get closer to him, that's where you can see the victory. But it comes down to a choice. Are you willing to grow? Like Paul says, that ye, we may perfect that which ye lack in your faith.